Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Here, we're being paid by the Department of Education. They're looking to pay tribute to yourself in the team. That's just got us over the lane here. I expect the parents to boycott their children's GAT. We're being hit with energy increases with inflationary increases left, right, and center. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P. Do you ever think a year ago today uh, we would have been talking about, we were talking about the beginnings of the invasion of Ukraine? Did you think that a year on it would still be happening? Did you think that there would be no visible sign of an end to it? No, I certainly didn't. I thought it'll be over in a couple of months and somebody will win. I honestly thought the Russians would win given the sheer might of their operation. No one really expected it to uh, to turn out at the kind of, and it is a kind of a stalemate at this stage. God knows what Putin will do uh, in the next stage of it. Did I read or hear or see or did I imagine it? Fergal will tell me in 30 seconds if I did imagine it. Are China now offering to mediate here? Or am I picking it up all wrong? But anyway, a year ago today, the war in Ukraine started. And that's one of the most upsetting news stories, world news stories, in a while. To read that at least just under 500, at least 487, let's call it what it is, just under 500 little children have died. And just under 1,000 have been injured in the year since... February 24th, 2022. About 8,000 civilians are dead and still no sign. The the UN passed a motion at its General Assembly calling for Russia to end the war and demanding its withdrawal of its forces as if now Vlad is going to ring up the UN and say, okay, 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 okay. Are going to happen? Yes, thank you, Fergal. China are offering to mediate in this It's been a terribly tragic time and many, many hundreds, if not thousands, have settled in Cork City and County after fleeing the war of Ukraine. In the early days, we we spoke to many of them. In the early days, we used to catch up with them as they were fleeing towards the border and we spoke to their friends here. And we had many, many conversations in the early days of the war. 
and I'm thinking about those people today and I hope that they're here and I hope that they're happy and I hope that they feel welcome and I hope that they've managed to settle as best they can. There'll be a gathering in the city this afternoon. You've been hearing about it in news this morning to mark one year since the war started. Uh, You're invited to go along to the Grand Parade at half past four and uh, meet and support and pay tribute to our uh, newly arrived local Ukrainians just to highlight our solidarity with uh, them in the course of their conflict. 0818 96 96 is the number to call. The text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96mm.ie. I have bundles of correspondence from you to catch up with, which I will do during the course of Friday morning. We lighten it up a little bit for the day that's in it as we go. But first of all, funeral service announcements have been published for Bishop Dave, the uh, Auxiliary Bishop of LA, David O'Connell, a Corkman, a man from Glenmire. He was gunned down at his home in a place called Hacienda Heights last weekend. He was sleeping in his bed when he was shot a number of times. Funeral services will take place over three days. There'll be a public viewing on the 2nd of March. They'll start next Wednesday, March 1st, and continue until Saturday, March 3rd, where his funeral mass will be held at 11am LA time, which is evening time here, and it will be streamed live. His funeral mass will from 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 LA. As that investigation continues. Uh, The story is being covered extensively by KFI 640, which is a major news radio station in California. And I'm joined this Friday morning by KFI reporter Chris Adler, who's been working the story over the last number of days since indeed the alarm was raised on Saturday. Chris, maybe you could start by bringing us up to speed at this stage on where the investigation stands. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I was at the press conference when the Los Angeles District Attorney, George Gascon, charged uh, Carlos Medina, the housekeeper's husband, with one count of murder for killing the bishop. Now, he, according to the district attorney, Medina has admitted to killing the bishop, and the bishop was shot multiple times. And... uh, And according to the DA uh, and the detectives at the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, Medina was kind of mouthing, you know, different reasons why he had done what he'd done, why he shot the bishop. But the detective at the Sheriff's Department says none of it seemed to be credible um, and that they're still looking into it. It's still under investigation. But all of the things that he said and mentioned about a possible dispute over money between himself and the bishop does not seem to be credible at this time. So that investigation still very much ongoing. What's been the reaction like locally, Chris? I understand Bishop Dave was a very popular man. Yes, sir. So in the Los Angeles area and especially among the Catholics, I would say the, the word to describe the emotion is shock. I did not know the bishop personally, but I did speak to a neighbor who lived directly across the street from the bishop. He has known the bishop for at least six, five to six years, he said, um, spoke with the bishop daily. 
he said to me, you know, the bishop was a joyful man, always smiling. He talked to him almost every morning and said he kind of was the light of the neighborhood. And, you know, he had this essence about him that when you spoke with him afterwards, you felt that everything was going to be okay no matter what you were going through. Um, And that seems to be the consensus in the city for the most part. Um, I also did speak to some of his parishioners who said he was accepting of everybody. So to lose him was losing a pillar in the community. Yeah, yeah. The area where it happened, he'd been living there for quite a number of years. What, what's that area like, Chris? Yes, yeah, so this area is, is called Hacienda Heights. It is an unincorporated suburban area in the Los Angeles area. Um, and it is about 15 minutes to the Orange County borderline. So it borders, um, it's, it's very close between Orange County and the L.A. County area. And I actually live about 15 minutes from where the bishop was killed. I actually drive through that neighborhood almost, almost, almost every day. Um, it is a quiet neighborhood. It is absolutely, you know, hasn't been known for much much ado, much crime in the last years. Maybe two, two other big stories. One of them most recently this year of a police pursuit that ended in that city. Uh, one of the craziest police pursuits that we've ever seen in L.A. But for the most part, sir, it is not a very eventful city. Hmm. Um, these people who lived on the block with Bishop David O'Connell are people that have been retired, raised families. Uh, I spoke to a woman who lives two doors down from the bishop. She lived in that home for 60 years, raised a family. Uh, she's living there now. You know, she's still there. Uh, but she says she has never seen anything like this ever happen in that on that street in her city. And like, mind you, she's been there 60 years. But we're talking families. We're talking retirees. We're talking just people, good people, good, you know, taxpayers just, just living the American dream. Yeah. Here in Bishop Dave's hometown, Chris, we were interested to know about his work interceding with the, the feuding gangs of L.A. Dangerous work, I, I imagine. Yes, he did do work among the gang, the gang community that Bishop David O'Connell himself has, has said that he's walked among the gangs, he's walked through the streets of L.A., um, I have seen reports where he has attempted to bridge the gap between citizens and the gang community. Um, and he was also, uh, you know, notable for trying to work through the, the, the L.A. riots after, the, you know, the, also known as the Rodney King riots yeah. in the early 90s that we had, trying to, trying to, to fix the community. And in also speaking with his parishioners, they mentioned to me that he was very accepting of everybody. He was very active in the Hispanic and Latino community in Los Angeles. As you are aware, we have a very big Latino Hispanic population. And the, the, the parishioner that I spoke with, she was, she was Hispanic. And she told me she loved the bishop. She, from, she was there during uh, the ceremony when he became the auxiliary bishop in Los Angeles. She was there for that ceremony in 2015. She's known him since, since then, has run into him at different uh, community events, and he was always welcoming to her. 
you know, the bishop was Catholic. He was Caucasian, but he did not care. And so the black community and the Hispanic community were very welcoming of him, too. And, you know, that is kind of rare to see. And it's refreshing to see this community was really drawn to this bishop. This was a man who loved the community and really did what he could. And he didn't he didn't discriminate. He was known to be a supporter of same-sex marriage and the ordination of women. He's quite, quite a liberal man, Chris. You know, and, and then so these were things that I have been learning to myself in covering the bishop. He is perceived as a liberal bishop because he's doing these things that appear to be unconventional in the Catholic Church, what is typical, what's typically seen of the Catholic Church. He kind of was a pioneer, and parishioners have spoken about it saying that he has opened doors that have not been opened before as a way of collectively bringing in everybody because everybody mattered. Yeah. He sure seems to have been a really uh, popular man. How has his community been marking his passing this week, Chris? It's been very emotional. I was at the Archdiocese yesterday, and to put it plainly, it's somber. People are just very sad about what has happened and trying to make sense of it. We still don't have an answer. I was at the press conference yesterday and I asked the district attorney if there was a clear motive. And he says, no, there still is not a clear motive. It's unclear. It's still under investigation. So there's still a lot of questions. Why? You know, and um, and if this was a dispute over money, a lot of people are saying, well, was it a reason to kill the bishop? The community has felt a deep loss over what has happened. Yeah, as do his local community here at home in his native Cork. Chris, I thank you very much for your time. I know you have a very, very busy news day ahead of you. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much. You guys take care now. Thank you, Chris. That's Chris Adler from KFI 640 in uh, in Southern California, LA and San Francisco is where they're based. Locally, we had an email from Father Damien O'Mahony, who is the uh, co-parish priest of Glenton. And he says, I never had the honour of meeting Bishop Dave, but just to let you know, he was prayed for and remembered at our regular morning mass in the parish here at the Sacred Heart Church on Monday last. The Sacred Heart Church was where he was baptised back in 1953, where he served as an altar boy and where he celebrated his first Mass of Thanksgiving in 1979. On Ash Wednesday, Mass was offered for him in both the Sacred Heart Church, Glanton, and also in St. Mary's Church, Nograha, where he would have celebrated Mass on his visits home to Cork. His most recent time in Nograha was in 2018, but he also celebrated Mass there in 2015, and not so long after that, he was made an auxiliary bishop in Los Angeles. That, I'm told, was a joyous occasion for Bishop David, his family, relations, and many Cork connections. Also for the people and the parish of Glanton, which also includes Brook Lodge, Little Island, and Nukraha. We've been praying for his family members, relatives, and many friends who were grieving his loss in such an awful way. Bishop David never forgot his roots and his native home. A proud Corkman, and he always let people know that. A memorial mass to remember this remarkable man would be held in the Sacred Heart Church, Glanton, at a later date. May he rest in peace. Yeah, one of the nice things I heard about him during the week with regard to his Cork roots was, and given the, the work there that Chris was telling us about, uh, his Spanish was fluent. 
was as fluent as his spoken English. But he spoke it with thick Cork accent uh, right up to this day, which was, I thought that was lovely. I really did think that was lovely to hear. Uh, His funeral will take place next week, and if you're of a mind to watch the Mass, it'll be in the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels in downtown L.A., that is on 3rd of March, 11 o'clock LA time, which I think is about tea time here, if I'm right. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Have a think about something uh, that we'll talk about later. We, it's a few more, well, for most of us, except for the, the hardies, the lunatics who go into the water at this time of the year. And I'm sorry, you are. If you're going into the water at this time of the year, you, you, you have a, you have a sandwich short of a picnic. But listen, you be you and the best of luck to you. But those of us who will go to the beach uh, normally this summer, um, we have a couple of months to wait yet. And I want you to think of the beach that if I told you tomorrow you can only ever visit one beach again in Cork or Kerry maybe, but it, 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 one beach again for the rest of your days. I'll lay everything on for you. I'll even drive you there. But you can only visit one beach for the rest of your days. Which one would it be? Which Cork beach would it be? I know which one mine would be. That's coming up a bit later on. But first of all, to to far more serious matters... Eamon, what actually happened your your mum uh, she was she was lying in in agonizing pain for 14 hours morning good morning PJ how are you doing very well sir what happened to her how is good, she now good. by the way well oh, listen she was she was she was really good within within a week she was up up and walking again fantastic um, she's uh, oh she's a she's an incredible lady absolutely yep uh, she's she's doing very well, uh, PJ. Uh, thanks very much for asking. She's eighty eight or going on eighty eighty nine now. What what happened to her? Um, well, she was. I suppose it, you know it, it's it's not an un- uncommon incident. I suppose you know for a lady of of that vintage. Um, she she was walking and uh, she fell and broke her hip and broke her shoulder. Uh, she was out in the road walking with uh, with her grandson. And um, anyway, she she wasn't too far from home, so they managed to get home. But I think by the time she was she was back in the house, she was sitting in the armchair and she started to seize up, mm. and uh, she was immobile and in a lot of pain. She managed to drag herself home. Wow! Oh yeah, absolutely strong no woman. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it it's it transpired that she uh, she had suffered um, a broken hip and a broken shoulder. Right. This was in yeah. March twenty twenty two, was it? That's it. It's it, yeah. It's 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 a historical event at this stage. Yeah. So, so you you called an ambulance? Um, yeah, well, I wasn't there at the time myself, but uh, but fam- the family called an ambulance within, I'd say, probably half an hour, an hour of it happening. 
uh, when it was obvious that you know she was in she was in a serious condition and and uh, deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Two o'clock in the afternoon, the ambulance was called. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's that was it. that was uh, on was, a Monday. Um, yeah, it was it the twenty first of March? I don't, okay. I don't have the calendar in front of me. What what time um, did the ambulance arrive? The, the ambulance arrived at uh, four o'clock the following morning. To Bandon. To Bandon, yes, to Bandon, and on the um, yeah, not 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 in rural Bandon. Well, I suppose just outside the town on the on the on the, the north side of the town. So quite close uh, geographically to uh, Cork University Hospital. So two o'clock on a Monday, the ambulance is called, and it arrives at four a.m. on a Tuesday. That's correct. That if if I didn't see it written down in front of me, and you weren't telling me it down the line, I'd say nah, nah. Yeah, I know, I know. It's um, it's 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 incredible. It's incredible, but but not unusual. Um, maybe that was an extreme, but um, delays are. Um, we subsequently found out that it's you know once you start once. You... Oh, Amen. But this. You sorry, your line dropped out there for a second. Cases. What what I was about to say why, was why we did. Sorry, your line your line is dropping in and out there. What I w- what I was about to say, we'll try it one more time and then see if we can't clean it up. Was that the intervening time? Your doctor or your mom's doctor made a call to outline how urgent this situation was. Uh, yes, that happened at uh, that was that was the um, the local South Dock uh, office or clinic is very close by. It's a probably you know kilometer away. So the South Dock doctor on call came to the house. In fairness to her, she was very good, and she she saw the gravity of the situation at ten o'clock that night, and she tried to intervene. She she tried to get the ambulance uh, to uh, to come, but no no ambulance arrived. Yeah, this is almost beyond belief. You said yourself, a new low for the ambulance service. It it almost seems like it couldn't happen. How, in the end, is it the case, Eamon, that the ambulance that did come came from Ennis? Uh, no, I don't. I don't believe so. I don't believe it was an Ennis ambulance that arrived. Um, there was an an ambulance from Ennis working in Cork City that night. Um, yeah, covering Cork City that night, but that wasn't the one that that arrived. It was uh, a, a, a Cork a Cork ambulance eventually arrived. Right, eventually, the following the following yeah. day. I mean, your mother must have been in terrible pain and discomfort and distress by the time it came. She was in a she was in a lot of pain. She was and she was immobile. Yeah. So, you now you have. Followed this up, you were. I think you were before an Oireachtas committee this week to tell your story. Um, n- no, uh, I haven't. No, sorry, I, I wasn't. I wasn't invited to that. Okay. Uh, it came up though. No. It came up. Don't Don Colera brought it up. Right. Yeah. Have you had okay. any comeback from the service, from the National Ambulance Service? Um, yeah, there was there was a a, a, cert, a certain amount, but I think the the word that would bet, best describe it would be gaslighting. You know. Um, because what what came back from the ambulance service was was laughable, I suppose you know they they were using the excuse at the time of the uh, the, the 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 COVID um, <clears throat> activities and um, 
and all that sort of stuff. You know, the the swabbing that was involved and vaccinations and this, that, and the other, and that was causing time delays. So now that that's all over, it shouldn't be happening anymore, should it? Oh, no, it shouldn't. And just just clarifying, my mistake. It was Donna Colera raised it at the Oireachtas uh, Health Committee. Uh, in the in the last well one, last Wednesday, he did, well yeah, he did, he did. Yeah. Now it'll go absolutely nowhere because the chances of anything being done, you know yourself. But yeah. uh, you're you're 25 kilometres from a major trauma unit, a level one trauma unit, because that's what CUH is. 25 yeah. kilometres down the road, an elderly woman falls, is immobile and in pain. The ambulance is notified at two o'clock. A doctor mm-hmm. says at 10 o'clock that <clears throat> night, this woman is in a lot of pain and needs to be in hospital. Made another yes. call at 3 a.m. and an ambulance came at 4 a.m. And someone yes. reckons that's okay. Y- yes, and um, not only that, but um, they they tell us, the National Ambulance Service uh, told us that um, they were, they were on, on, en route many times, but they got diverted to more serious cases. More serious cases. They were en route, but they got diverted. Yes. Now, they, they may have got, got diverted. I'm sure they did because the, um, we, we obviously, look, everybody in, in Ireland knows, knows everybody and knows people everywhere. So, you know, uh, we, we know what happened. Um, and we know, we, we know why this is happening. Um, or that's the, we've been given, given information as to why it's happening. Um, and it's just, look, we, this is not a pity party. My mother wouldn't want that. We're not looking for attention, anything like that. The reason we went to Jackie Kyo in the Southern Star to let her know about this is because this could affect our neighbours the next time. Yes. It could affect somebody down the road. It could Somebody somebody out in the Barra Peninsula, somebody in Kerry. Um, as, as you've already alluded to, there was an, Ennis, an ambulance from Ennis from, from Clare, was working in Cork City that night uh, on casualties, on patients. Yeah. Um, there was no cover in, in South Kerry. There was no cover in West Cork that night. Um, if, God forbid, you are in a serious situation, do not expect an ambulance to arrive on time. You better start saying your prayers. Yeah. Because they've got this, they've got this, symb- this system of triaging, of prioritizing cases that if you are... If you're conscious and if you're breathing, then you're, you're way down the line. You're way down the list. So they will keep ringing you and say, are you conscious? Are you breathing? Or sorry, is, your, is the casualty conscious and breathing? As long as they're conscious and breathing, you have to basically you have to stop breathing or you have to be unconscious in many cases to get an ambulance. This is the information we've been given. Now, if somebody can correct me if they wish, but that's the information we've got. And so if you're... If you are, um, and look, nothing against these kids, but if you're somebody who passes out from too much drugs or too much alcohol on Patrick Street in Cork, but capable of being moved by, by, by a taxi, you will get priority for an ambulance over an 88-year-old or a 98 or a 58-year-old person who has, who, who's got uh, fractures. Who will be sitting on the side of a road waiting for an ambulance. It doesn't matter where you are. You're just not going to get prioritized. And that's why we went to Jackie Hill, the Southern Star, and thankfully the rest of the media and yeah. very nice politicians have picked up on it. Yeah. Um, Michael Collins has done, you know, he, he raised, I think it was he raised it in the doll, and Michael Creed was, you know, an absolute gentleman about it. 
but it's yeah. They'll all, they'll all, but they'll all say great things, and 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 they'll all and they'll all rightfully point to the, the disgrace of the situation. And Donal O'Keefe has been writing about it uh, in the in the are the Echo, and and Donald's an old pal of mine, and he assisted with us uh, in putting 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 us in touch with you. But like it, it's the sad part about this, Eamon, was when I read it and heard it. I wasn't at all surprised. That's the bit that grinds my gears. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if, PJ, if you don't mind me saying this, but like in addition to that, it's the response you get, the response you get from officialdom. And I'm, I'm not talking about politicians here. I'm talking about this, the public sector, or sorry, not public sector, because it's populated with absolutely fantastic poli- uh, nurses, policemen, paramedics, yeah. fantastic people doing great work. It's not them. It's the people who are managing the system. They're, they're just incapable and unwilling to change, and they'll send you out letters um, treating you like an idiot, um, giving you an excuse that you know don't stack up, avoiding the real issues, and to be honest, I didn't bother chasing it because as I said, as I said to you, we're not on a campaign. We only went to the media just to let our neighbours and, and, and you know fellow countrymen and women know what the situation is, just in case they're under a false illusion that there is a system there that's going to look after them. And it's again, you, you, rightly point, you rightly point to the paramedics, to the doctors, to the rapid response teams, to anybody who will eventually arrive, and I'm sure when they did eventually come, to see oh, your mom. They were fantastic. Oh, outstanding people. Outstanding people. Um, just real humanity. Decent human, de- decent Christians, good people, you know. Um, and, you you know, you <clears throat> yeah, you just want, you would thank, want to thank them profusely. Like any first-line person that, that you ever meet, they're always great humans. They're absolutely fantastic, but... The system that's that, that's running them is is inhuman, and um, and you felt gaslighted, I think, by that system, Eamon. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know, you just look at the response and you kind of laugh. You're, you're lying to me. You're absolutely lying to me. What did they look, say? What what did they say? Did they even oh, say we're sorry this happened? Ah, I'm sure in there somewhere they did, and um, <clears throat> then they directed. They said, "Well, you know, uh, if you've." Uh, you know, if, if you're not happy with this, whatever you can, there's, there's this service, this wonderful service we've got is, you know, it's, it's a have your say service. So I wrote to that um, company called uh, crhealth.ie. I presume it's a company, not part of the, uh, you know, uh, our public infrastructure, but it's probably somebody they hired to look after these, these complaints so that um, they go into a nice file somewhere and gather dust. Nothing ever happens. That's about the size of it, isn't it? Yeah. Eamon, my best to your mom and to everybody oh. else. Uh, it's and I, know, I know it was a year ago, but and you oh, say and she's listen, well now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was she was on the road to now, bear in mind the, the injuries she had. Um she was she got out of hospital as fast as she could. And um within six months, I mean you still, you know, might see her standing awkwardly from time to time, but within within yeah, three to six months, she was in great condition. Yeah. Um, she, you know, anybody who was born in 1933 and has survived this long. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? She's seen the world in all its shapes and sizes, so she has. And just to, to remind listeners, going back to um, a statement or a spokesperson 
from from the National Ambulance Service speaking at the time to the Echo, to, to Donald, I think, at the Echo actually said that they couldn't comment on individual cases. That's all. They always say that. <laughs> at the time we received the call, we were experiencing very high demand for 999 services for patients with immediately life-threatening injuries and illnesses and experiencing significant delays at hospitals. Unfortunately, this meant some patients with lower acuity needs had longer waits. That's lower acuity. Lower acuity. She's 88 lower. years of age. She's broken her hip and her shoulder. She's in pain. She's immobile. I imagine she can't even go to the toilet. There's, there's you know, with, with fractures, there's probably, there's a, there's a, there is risk of internal bleeding. And she has a history of TIAs. And, you know, you know when you're being lied to, don't you? It's being minimised, to say the very, very least. Eamon, my best to the family and to your mum and to everybody else. That's an awful situation. But sadly, sadly, not remotely surprising. That's the worst part. Yeah, raised at the Oireachtas Health Committee during the week by Donoghue O'Leary. Thanks to our pal Donald O'Keefe at the Echo who helped us to get in touch with Eamon. So there you go. Two o'clock in the afternoon. 88-year-old woman has a fall. She's a tough, a tough lady. She manages to drag herself home. Energy, she injuries to her hip and her shoulder. She's swelling up. She's seizing up. She can't move. She's in horrendous pain. Someone called an ambulance at 2 in the afternoon on a Monday. 25 kilometres from CUH. 2 in the afternoon on a Monday. The ambulance came at 4 a.m. on Tuesday. 25 kilometres from COH. Bear in mind that tweet I put up last Friday when I was out after being at Ross's show in the Opera House. I went for a drink afterwards with my daughter and she wanted off to meet her friends and I went to get the bus home but I had a goo on me for uh, chips and curry from Hillbillies, as you get. And I discovered that at 10 past 12 on a Friday night Hillbillies was closed and I go what the hell is happening to the world at all Andrew says you know how PJ was on about that well I was just in the Imperial uh, this is Thursday I was just in the Imperial I went to get a lunchtime pint to treat myself as you might sorry the bar only opens at weekends now but you can get a pint in Sketch that's the bar next door went into Sketch uh, sorry we don't open until 5 on a Thursday in 2023 Thanks, Andrew. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Now, we'll get back to some of your correspondence with regard to yesterday's interview I had with Pascal Dunahue, Minister for Public Expenditure, and also to other people calling us about the cost of their electricity and the cost in particular of running heat pumps and that kind of thing. I'll come back to all of that a little bit later on. But um, beaches, I asked you to think about beaches and the beach that if I told you you could only ever visit one again in your life, then what would be would it be? Emma says uh, it's Injidani. Beautiful walk with the kids and fabulous seafood in the hotel restaurant. I think that is my favourite beach, says Emma. Uh, Dave, my favourite has to be Yall. I love the walkway. It's so oldie-worldy down there. Yeah, Dave, I'd be inclined to think that Fountain at high tide around sunset. And that for me, and that ice cream and a 
cup of coffee in Angela's afterwards. Peter, I know Cove reasonably well, but I don't know this beach you're talking about. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Um, the beach is alongside the Titanic Garden, which would be on the eastern side of the town. Okay. It's been there a long, long time. I would have spent a lot of my childhood there. Like, okay. Um, it's a little archway going through to the beach, and it was, you know, it's it's, it's nothing like in Chirani, but it's a lovely beach. Is this if you nice walk down to the end of the pram, Peter? And there's a couple this of little would, shops and restaurants up there, and you walk down beyond that, there used to be a beach there. This would, beach would be where the port ops is for the uh, Port Cork. Okay, okay, right. Yeah. So it's the, one of the only beaches that would really be suitable for swimming. You know, most 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 sites you could swim there. I see. And it's been closed for how long, or is it closed? Uh, it's, it is closed. The it's not only closed. The council welded the gate up, so it will never be opened again if if something isn't done. Right. Um, You've opened a petition. Closed, that's it. Seven years, maybe eight years. Right. Um, no, don't get me wrong. They they have a point. There is an issue there, but they're doing nothing about it. What's the issue? The issue is the there's a slide from the cliff which you know isn't in a good condition. The cliff isn't in a good condition, but they haven't done any surveys to actually prove or to know what needs to be done to get the beach open again. They just take the soft option, which is to close the place off. So they just said, okay, there's been a bit of a rock slide there or a landslide, just close it off. Yeah. And the result is people now are jumping the wall and there's been two accidents there um, with people falling onto the beach. Right. The last one was a couple of weeks ago and man was had a broken leg on the beach. I see. Only for the RNLA. It could be totally different. We really don't know what this is because the only other access to the beach is from Cuskinny, which we built a mile and a half way across the beach. Yeah. So the choice would have been if the RNLA weren't available and thankfully they were the choice would have been airlifting him or going on the beach for a mile and a half. Yeah, Kinney seems to be very popular with locals, all right. It is, and it's been more popular now with the, because of COVID, there's a lot of people swimming right through the winter. Yeah. You know, and this beach is literally in centre town with a car park alongside of it. So I just don't understand why it's not been opened. Yes, yes, and so much going on for Cove. I mean, it, there's so much I, happening there in the summer. Wouldn't it be lovely to have a little beach there as well? Exactly. And it, the other thing is, it's not the councillor's fault, it's the actual officials that don't want to do it. The councillors have raised it, and it's been kicked down the road by the officials. I see, I see. And it's locked, you, padlocked, and... No, no, it's welded up. Welded? It's welded up, it's welded. <sighs> so even if, you know what I mean, if the fire brigade want to get in for some, some accident on the beach, they'll have to use their current equipment to get into it. Oh, for goodness sake. So, and it's been used for it's been used for hundreds of years. The beach. You have Going a peti- right you, you have a petition. And That's right. You you have uh, one thousand one hundred and seventy three signatures on it so far, and it's more likely to get picked up at fifteen hundred. Well, it's getting picked up now at one thousand one hundred and seventy three, and you'd like people to go and and sign it yeah. for you, and to see can we get the council to do something about it? Um, the local chair of the municipal. Municipal authority down there is Sinead Shepherd. Have you spoken to Sinead? No, it's it's actually Anthony Barry. No, is it? Oh, you've moved the change. I have. I've spoken to all the councillors, and I have. uh, We got our own report done on the thing. And what's really needed is a complete survey done as to what the cost will be involved. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not a case that we're we're saying. You know what I mean? Let's find out exactly what needs to be done and the cost involved. That's really the the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So and there seems to be no 
push from the official side to actually do that. Like yeah. every time the council the council has raised, like Carl Rasmussen raised it, Sinead Shepherd raised it, they've all raised it, but they actually kicked down the Oh, well, we can't do anything about it. Can't Let's do anything about it. Why though? Yeah, they don't want. Well, the the cost of the survey. There is a cost involved on the survey, but uh-huh. surely, you know what I mean. With what's the point in doing up the harbour and having? Such a clean harbour now that we've never had before. Absolutely. And no access to a beach. Absolutely. It's a good point. People can sign your petition if they wish to do so. It's one we'll follow. It'd be nice to get it opened, or at least surveyed, like you said, surveyed, in time for the summer. Change.org is where you'll find the petition, and just look for Cove and... and Batteries Strand is the name of it. Battery Strand, yeah. Battery Strand, that's a... A strange name. All right. Listen, good luck with it, Peter. Keep in touch if you get any movement on it. And we'll certainly follow it up. A lot of people in this building live in Cove. And formerly of this building live in Cove now. And I've been down there myself a bit in the summertime. I wasn't aware of that strand. Um, but, of course, it's welded up. <laughs> welded up. As if the problem... Anyway, that's just how things are done. Bally Rysode. Is that what it's called? Bally Rysode? Valley Resort, I don't know how to pronounce it, between Goline and Skull. There's no sign to it or anything. It's an inlet, and it's just a little corner of peaceful heaven, says Kate. Pure sand all the way out. I also take the kayak. Ah, yes, the kayak. Yeah, there's a little place. I went looking for it because I'd heard about it and seen the photograph of it. Valley Brannigan Beach, down in, in East Cork. And you have to look for it, because you won't actually find it. When you get down there... There's nothing there. Maybe a maybe a, a coffee truck, or and this beach that wouldn't look out of place in the Costa del Sol. It's just gorgeous. That's Bally Brannigan in East Cork. Lots of those little undiscovered. Is it Pilltown? Is another one down near Yall. Is that what it's called, Pilltown or beach? It's it. They, they did the um, they did the dip in, in the nip there a few years ago. Early one morning in May. I should know, because I did it. I did, so I did. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Pillmore. Pillmore, PJ. Egypt. Hilltown is in County Kilkenny. And there's no beach there. Pillmore is that beach in, in East Cork. Thank you. Aaron, be with you in just a minute. Ambulance call. Uh, we've had a number of them after listening to Eamon, uh, for example. Last Thursday, a young lad had a seizure at the end of Dublin Hill, crossing the road. My husband came upon the incident. Uh, there was an, ans- an ambulance was called. A young girl was nearing, kneeling near the boy, taking his pulse. She said the ambulance was called ages ago. She was told it has to come from Limerick. I hope that lad's okay now. It's ridiculous. I'm out in the Kinsale Road every Saturday. The ambulance are lined up with the batteries charging in them. I can't understand it, says Valerie. Yeah, if you go behind Smith's Toys down there to the actual base, 
there's like this enough amb- this nearly an ambulance for everyone in the audience. You wonder why they never move anywhere. Probably nobody to take them out. Listening to that man about the ambulance last Tuesday week, my son needed one. This from Fiona. He was on the floor after his back went out, and there was no ambulance in Cork to dispatch down. It came from Clon, and on the way was diverted to Dunmanway. And my son was on the floor three hours waiting for an ambulance from Fiona. You don't say where you were, but it doesn't matter really. They couldn't get to you in time. Now, Erin, whereabouts you? Morning. Morning, Peter. How are you? Um, Middleton. Okay. okay. Um, now, to be fair, now, I was, I was lucky. Like, because my doctor had rang the ambulance for my little one. Okay. So we weren't waiting that long. But between the jigs and the reels, we couldn't get an ambulance to transfer us back from Temple Street back to CUH. She was a very sick little baby, yeah? Yeah, she was. And ended up in Temple Street. Yeah. And it was getting yeah. back from Temple Street, the problem was. Yeah, we, um, she was ready to be the start from Temple Street on the Monday, or the Sunday, sorry, to go back to CUH, but there was no ambulance, so we were, we didn't leave Temple Street till the Tuesday, and we had to bring a private ambulance company to transfer us back down to CUH. Yeah. Sounds like you have a lively house there, you all right? I have, yeah. Um, terrible trees. Oh, God, you poor woman. <laughs> the terrible twos, the terrible threes, the furious fours, the f- <laughs> frightening fives, the scary yeah. sixes. They're all ahead of you. Uh, I know, I know. And she's the most stubborn little one ever. <laughs> She really is. But as you can hear, she's been flying informed me everything. Good. She's okay now. But like you said, there was no ambulance to bring her back to CUH. They had to get a private one. Yeah. yeah and because she was so sick, we couldn't bring her down ourselves. You couldn't drive her? No. 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 Yeah. It's a scary times when you have a sick baby, isn't it? It is. Yeah. As I said, I was, I was very lucky. My doctor was... Was on the ball, being honest, like. They generally do prioritise children, or at least they're supposed to. But they generally do, I'm told. They do. Now, I could hear my doctor going, where is the ambulance? Yeah. But, like, we weren't, like, I I can't even tell you how long they were waiting. It Mm. wasn't that long. I think it might have been under an hour. It could have been faster, but um, after getting the diagnosis that we did at the time, I just went into shock. Of course you did. Of course she did. She um, didn't have any, any consciousness of time then. No, no, okay. no. But look, I can see, I can tell from the sounds of her that all is well. Oh, all is well. Um, a few, a lot, a lot of sleepless nights and oh. added stress, but she's yeah. taking it all in her stride. Well, well, you know, they'll tell him. Is that is she your only one? Yeah. The first, the first twenty four, twenty five years are the hardest. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, apparently so. I have I have nieces so and a nephew, so I'm hoping that she might turn out like them because they're brilliant. All right, Erin, good talking to you. Thanks, and best of luck to you and the Smalley. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Speaking of Smallies, do you have one that has turned into a little strop merchant? Currently throwing strops and making shapes and making your life a misery, tantrums. Meltdowns, just being a little. Yeah. We might have some advice for you. 
we've had, in fairness, we've had an email from someone who's very stressed indeed. Yeah, I've done those ones. I've done those ones on the on the ambulance, guys. I just want to catch up on the Pascal Dunyhu stuff. Again, if he was here today, I'd ask him about the ambulance service, but I'd probably get the same as I got on everything yesterday. We're doing everything we can. We asked the minister about the cost of living, about massive electricity bills, about the eviction bans, about the St. Patrick's Day trips and all of that. Good on you, PJ, bringing up about those politicians heading off on junkets while we've people sleeping in cars and not able to pay their bills. It's a joke, said that message, although some people would defend the trips. How dare he suggest that he's struggling. Yeah, you'd have got that impression listening to him, all right, wouldn't you? He just stated, yes, yet we are struggling. He'll never know what it's like for the people of Ireland on his wage. So how dare he come on your show and try to justify what the government is doing. Also, why are they waiting until April and June to give us a break? People need money now, not in a couple of months. On the eviction ban, uh, Tom says, and I see where Michal Martin speaking Last evening, was it, in the Doyle? Pretty much ruled it out. It hasn't been decided on yet, but if you're listening to me all last evening, he pretty much ruled it out. You either do it for a very long time or you don't do it at all. And there's all sorts of issues with it, or so they say. Tom says a landlord could be receiving no rent for six months or nine months and they can't evict a tenant. This rent ban needs tweaking. I know of a man who has six units in arrears, but he can't evict any of them. Yeah. On the bills, I don't have an air to heat pump. My last bill was the thousand and four hundred euro. That's after the government gave me the two hundred. I'm dreading the next one. I also agree with your callers. We pay huge taxes, but we've nothing to show for it, except for some of the highest paid politicians in Europe. We spoke after that to two callers, to William and to Amanda. William was talking about the houses on the north side and how there hasn't been a new housing developer there, development there in Yonks. Councillor John Maher responded and said, William is dead right. The proof is when deciding the city development plan, most interest was in North East Ward. Developers playing God with land. Planning granted for 750 houses and 240 houses states in Bellevalan. Nothing even started. And I also, can I assure you, Anything celebrating Christmas will be based in the city centre. Anything else won't do. William seemed to have gotten some notion into his head that Glow will move out of the city next year to Ballancolic. We have nothing to go on. He's saying he heard it from a security man. We don't know, but there's John Maher saying, no, that's not going to happen. Thank you for that, John. And Amanda then got on to us. She has a sick child. Her child is on a special diet. She has to get a specially prescribed food for her for her child. Um, and someone and she had a massive energy bill, six hundred more euros. And she just doesn't know how she's going to pay it. Somebody suggested if she applies for domiciliary care, it isn't means tested, but if she gets it, she'll get a medical card for the child. That's good advice. I'm not so sure about the DCA not being not being means tested. I, I don't know whether it is or not. But yes, if you get domiciliary care, it's a payment per month, which would cover an awful lot of the food price, but, but she, she then gets a medical card with that. That is true. Thank you all for those responses. On the, on the trips, I have to say, uh, easiest win in diplomatic circles. That's how these trips are described by another 
Another message, direct access to practically any leader of any government or business anywhere in the world for the price of a few plane tickets and a few nights in a hotel. There's that as well. 0818 96 96 96. Now, are you a smallie who's losing it? And are you losing it because of the smallie losing it? Let's see if we can't get some advice for a very stressed out mama that got in touch with us. Do that next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Somebody who is definitely feeling a bit outnumbered at the moment is this stressed-out mama who contacted us during the week. I think a lot of people will identify with this. I wonder if your listeners can help me, PJ. I'm a mum of two. My six-year-old boy started junior infants in September. He loves school, seems to be happy out with his new classmates and his new friends. But in the last few weeks... He seems to have turned into a hormonal teenager. I don't even recognize him from the little boy he was a few short months ago. He's ignoring me when I ask him to do something, rolls his eyes to heaven anytime I say anything, kicks his siblings and throws tantrums if he doesn't get his way. He used to be such a funny, good-natured kid. I've no idea what's come over him. He reminds me of the old Kevin the Teenager character from, from Harry Enfield. God help you. I'm just wondering if any mums and dads out there have experienced this with new school-going kids. Is it a phase? Will he snap out of it? 
He's too big for the naughty step. He is in my aunt Nelly. However, I'm just roaring at him all the time, and I hate that too. Any advice from other parents is welcome. From a stressed out mama. One of the things about having small children when they turn six or seven is being a pain in the arse is part of their job. That that's that's how it is. However, that's only me spoofing. Let us get on to Steph McSharry and Bethany O'Reardon, who together run the Mum's Mind podcast. Ladies, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, Steph and, and, and Bethan. Welcome to, as I'm told, self-proclaimed cork blow-ins. But I, I love the, the catchphrase, how to stop your mother falling out of your, out of your mouth. Before we move on to talking to the person who, about the person who wrote the, what's that mean? Steph. Because <laughs> we all have those moments, right, where you say something... You, maybe you're going to count to three and you're going, I'm going to count to three. And in your head, you're going, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Yes. <laughs> and you're saying it thinking, oh, I vowed I'd never be like my mom. I'd never say those kind of things. You know, wait till I wait till your dad gets home or, you know, go up into your room. And you're there going, I, 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 I don't know what's happening. What just happened? My mother fell out of my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, you five seconds to do what I'm telling you, or to five you five <laughs> seconds to come over here. But but Bethan, yeah. we we all do it, mums and dads. We we all do that. It it it's we think it's because because they don't come with an instruction book. I only discovered that when I had children. They don't come with a book. Yeah, me too. I'm firm. I, I stand firmly by your side there. I'm a mum of three, and what we do is we all go into our parenting default mode. So we treat our children how we were treated ourselves and sometimes that works really well and sometimes our mother falls out of our mouth and we think, oh no, I really didn't want to be this parent right now. And that's kind of what what I was thinking in response to the to the listener who wrote in. Like, I so get where she's coming from because every parent has been that parent that roared and doesn't feel great about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's what's going to happen? What are you going to do when when a six year old is is wrecking your head? And and in the case of boys, what's that to say about boys? You know, girls break your heart, boys break your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking around my house here, it's pretty broken from the boys. Shout, though, right? Shouting seems to be the only thing that works sometimes. Oh, uh, I mean, okay. So, like, I'm I'm a mom and I'm human as well. So we all have a limit and we all have a point. But I'm also a psychotherapist. So that means that I'm in this really lucky position of sitting with, I, I, I work with people over the age of 13 and I don't shout at them when they come to me. You know, when they come for help and I say, I can't believe you did that. Oh my God. You see, the thing that helps people create change is when they feel heard and understood and safe. And the really the main goal of a parent is to help their kid learn the edges of life. And we all learn the edges of life by doing the wrong thing first. Yeah. You know, nobody just knows how to act and knows how to be. You know, we all do the wrong thing and we say the wrong thing and then our parents help us along the way. But really, that can only be done with kindness. But isn't there a thing, Bethan, and come in on this, Steph, if, if you want to. You say the wrong thing, but like I... Like we both, we all found out when they arrived, there isn't an instruction book. There is no right and wrong. You do what works. 
Yeah. It's hard to know what works, though, isn't it? And especially when they're this small, like there's a saying that all behaviour is communication because no six-year-old is going to walk through the door and say, Mum, I had a really tough day today. I had to sit still all day. I didn't get to drink my water. I didn't get to drink, eat a proper lunch. And now I'm really peed off. No six-year-old's going to do that. And unfortunately, that comes out in behaviour. So they'll come home. Like my son's really jiggly and if but he manages to sit still all day in school but then mm-hmm. by the time he gets home he's fit to burn he's wound up like a spring exactly so i think that's what this mum has to do and kind of work out because i think the fact that his behavior has changed after school means something's not suiting him and she has to kind of try and figure out what it is yeah. and unfortunately with a six-year-old you can't sit down and say right now can you tell me why your behavior has changed over the last couple of months because i'd really like to know you can't negotiate with a six-year-old <laughs> no, sometimes exactly. i struggle to negotiate with people who are 46 i can't negotiate exactly. with a six-year-old but there's exactly. beth and my one of my dearest friends in the world is a mother of seven and I remember when my kids were growing up, the twins so we went through the whole thing at the one time remember complaining bitterly on the phone about something that my my daughter had done and the calm collected answer came back, I said she's a pain in the (laughs) she's seven, that's her job Yeah, and there's an amount of that there isn't there but well, yes. I mean, the thing is, children don't have a fully developed brain. They don't have life experience. They can't. They don't have the ability to stop and reflect. They don't have impulse control. So they just do things. Children just do things. And the role of a parent is, in the therapy world, is say, well, can you love your child the same? If you're really annoyed with them, if you're feeling embarrassed, as if they've just done something that you're really proud of. And I mean, that doesn't mean that parents aren't allowed to be peed off and angry and overwhelmed and like, oh, my God, not again. Mm. Like that. But that's our world. When kids, you know, as Steph was saying, behind every behavior, there's a feeling and behind the feeling, there's a need. And children always need to be to feel safe. Like if they can't give out to you about you, who can they give out to? You know, and they're simply letting you know, I'm not okay. But it doesn't come out in this really pretty like, mom, I'm not okay. Can I talk? It comes out in eye rolling and tutting and all these other things that just can be really annoying for us. And that's okay. In terms of the the person who's gotten in touch with us, this lad is six going going on seven started school was really happy and then things have changed in the last few weeks as a parent myself my first thoughts would be has something happened Mm. yeah and if something happened how are you going to get him to tell you would and my, my my second thought would be should i talk to his teacher yeah. You're the one who want to say that one. Yeah, well, I think you've got to play detective a bit, right? So when they come in from school, the, what you've got to do is make sure that they're fed, that they're not thirsty. My daughter, who's nearly 12, will go a whole day and not touch her water bottle sometimes, and that means she can be like a demon when she walks through the door. So make sure that they're, they're fed, they're not thirsty, they're not wrecked, and have they had some kind of break, be it outside kicking a ball, or maybe your little one just likes to veg out in front of the TV for half an hour. So make sure that's all dealt with first, and then see how they are. But yeah, I would definitely talk to the teacher. Have they noticed a change? Is something going on at school? Or is it just the fact that you know the novelty of school has worn off? 
Mm. I know the realisation that they have to go there every day for the next however many years sometimes can play a part too, you know. Beth, in every every parent's worst nightmare and the one you don't want to think about is something could be somebody could be hurting your child when their personality seems to change like that. Yeah, absolutely. And what I say to parents is whilst that is really can but it is really scary and it is really overwhelming, you can totally help your child work through that. You know, because trauma for children isn't really only the thing that's happened, it's the being alone in it. So I think this mom's done amazing because she's like, I know that something has changed. Something has changed and my child needs me in a different way. And so, as Steph said, it's be the detective, figure out what has gone on in school. And you can ask a child. I mean, I know they might not tell you, but you could get like, I don't know if the child's into dinosaurs or Lego figures or dollies or whatever he's into. Get some kind of figure and act it out. So if this is you in the yard, where's your friend what games are you playing you know and, 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 and see like he might say well they're over there and I'm over here and then you know you know okay well maybe he's not playing with anybody but ask the teacher because schools only really ever want the best for your child too yeah. you know so I would I, I would ask and, 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 and if you do hear something that you don't know what to do then just find somebody who can help you you know because there is always someone that can help you support your child through anything yeah because you're going to have to do it now when they're six and then when things get really messy when they're a teenager, you'll have to do the same thing then. So now is a really good time to practice being that kind of like, uh, you know, that kind of warrior mom who's like, I'm totally exhausted and I don't know what to do, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. We all like to be the parent to whom our child would bring anything. That yeah. nothing is off the table. And, you know, you can start to drill that message into maybe a 16-year-old head. But can you start to drill it into a six-year-old head? Is there a language you can use to say to a six-year-old who has changed, if there's something going on, you can tell me? Well, I think it's the language that you don't use. You know, like, I know this mom is really struggling with shouting, and I get that, but it's possible to change that. So I think it's more the things... Children know how we feel about them. Right. This is this is the biggest thing about children is they know how we feel about them. So if we can be kind and caring and patient, oh, patient, you know, all parents have had to learn this word patience like they never did do before in their lives. And parents always say to me, but I can't stop shouting. And I say, but if if I was going to give you like a million euros the next time you were going to open your mouth to shout, you might open your mouth, you might take a huge breath going to roar, but even like halfway through you'd stop and say, oh, sorry about that, don't know what I was doing. You know, so we just have to, if you want your child to come to you in 10 years' time, well, that relationship starts now. That relationship starts when kids are really young, that they can roll their eyes, they can say or do things, because you accept them. You accept them for who they are. Yeah, yeah. There was a psychologist um, I knew a new one time used to wear a, a T-shirt when she was teaching a class or lecturing. She the T-shirt was WTF, <laughs> and we'd all know like, oh, what that mean? The yeah. T-shirt. The meaning of the T-shirt was, what's the function? Now, Bethany, you're a psychotherapist, and, and and Steph, your own view on this. Well, what's the function? And her meaning was every behaviour be it a child or be it an adult. Every behaviour that's out of the ordinary has a function. And our job is to try to understand the function of that behaviour. Why is it happening? 
Yeah, we often talk about on the the Mum Mind podcast, we often talk about playing detective. And it's almost like you kind of have to work out what's going on because you can say you can sit down next to your child and say, look, I've noticed a few changes and it's okay. We've got this. We can figure this out together. But at the end of the day, you're just kind of looking and observing and trying to work out what's going on with them. Beth, have you ever tried to drill down or can you help parents to drill down and see what is going on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge part of my work. I I run an online parenting community called the Cam Parenting Club and that is exactly what we do. We try and pull apart like, okay, well, what is my parent response to this and what is actually going on for the child? But the thing I say to all parents is, and uh, I mean, I, I mean this in an inspirational, positive way, is that this is a lifetime's work. You don't have to know the answers now. So it's not a lifetime's work like a cross to bear. It's like, okay, I'm going to help figure you out the same way I'm still figuring me out and I'm in my 40s, you know. But in the meantime, we'll do it with play and we'll do it with fun. Sorry, that was that was the other thing I, w- I wanted to, to say to this mum was try and be playful because it changes the tone of everything in the house. So when you get the eye rolling, instead of shouting about it, if you do need to open your mouth and say something, you can kind of, being playful changes the tone and it makes the kid feel safe. So you can say something like, what are you doing rolling your eyes at me? And give them a tickle or like a rub on the head or a kiss on the head. Whatever you do to say that like, I see it. I see that you're peed off with something at the minute. But you can laugh about it because if we don't laugh about things, then children can begin to feel shame for things. So we want the laughter instead. You know? The question that the email posed is it a phase? Will he snap out of it? I don't think that's one you can answer yes or no to. Is it, Steph? No, I think she's got to work out what's going on first. Because because she's noticed the change. It's like Bethan said, she's done really well. She's noticed that there's a big change, a big shift in him. She's, she's got to work out what's happening for him first. I, it doesn't sound like a phase at that age. Um, Bethan would know more than I would about a six-year-old going through a phase. It, it sounds more like he's trying to tell her something but doesn't quite have the words yet. That doesn't have the language yet. That's, that's, yeah. I, was, I was thinking of that myself. Here's Sarah's been on. She said, my little fella started school this year too. He's now very afraid of everything and very anxious at night time. I think the kids in school start talking about stuff like death or monsters and and they scare each other. He now wants to sleep with us every night and he's very clingy. I'd say the change to big school can be a bit traumatic. Oh, that sounds oh I just I, I just want to cuddle everyone in the family. Um yeah, I think it is because you know, you come out of the safety of your little family unit and you go to big school. But that's where parents mustn't be afraid to talk to with children about things and not talk in a kind of like, right, I'm gonna give you a presentation now on anxiety but just hear what kids are saying and say, Yeah, that is that is really scary when people talk about monsters you know? Because and and, and and if the behaviours come out in anger or anxiety, it's really important that, yes, we help children learn the edges of life, but the children are allowed to express them and they don't keep them in because that doesn't go well down the line. Do you know, as parents ourselves and whatever's happening outside the house, is there a time when the adults, before they have a conversation should make every effort to ensure that the child can't hear it? If you're worried about money, if you're worried about work, if you're worried about 
something that you have that conversation out of the children's earshot because they hear and they take it in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, children absorb what's going on around them. They are like sponges and they cannot regulate themselves. You know, the brain has finished developing at what, something between 23 and 25. So, you know, kids' fear response and their anxiety response is absolutely huge. So we must separate like, okay, this is adults and I will protect you as a child. First step, I think, though, for this particular mama who's gotten in touch with us, Talk to the teacher and see, can you talk to your youngster and see what, can you figure out what's going on? Do de- yeah. Go detective, Steph, is what she said. Yeah, absolutely, play detective. And also just all those basic things kind of after school, make sure they've had plenty to eat and drink, that they're not tired, that they've had a chance to move, just so that you've kind of ticked that list and make sure they're okay in that department. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I think also one more thing is just to say to the mum that it's okay to say to your child, I don't really know what's going on either, but I am going to help it become okay. Yeah, that's that's and, good. You know, and then that stops all kind of anxious talk about like, is it this, is it this, is it this? When we go into that kind of like clucky mother hen sort of panicky mode and the kid's looking at us like we've lost our marbles, you know, we just say, I don't know either. But yeah. I'm gonna. I'll, we'll get there together. Lastly and briefly, to you both, my kids are in their in their twenties now. So, and it's a whole different kind of parenting, is it? But yeah. I think I think things have changed. I wonder: Are do we over helicopter a little bit nowadays, ladies? <laughs> I think so. I mean, here's the thing. Parenting isn't stopping a child getting into difficulty. It's giving them a hand when they're in it. Because we can't stop kids getting, I don't know, making fools of themselves, saying something they shouldn't say, doing the wrong thing. Uh, That's life, right? I did that a million times over when I was their age and more. So parenting isn't about stopping those things. It's about being there with them to help them out of it. That's wisdom ever I heard it. Steph, your own take on what I just asked? Yeah, I remember saying to Bethan on the podcast one week, I'd been to, the the school had put on a, a talk about drugs and the whole message about the drugs was don't take them, don't do it. You know, this can be what happens if you do, you could die, this could happen. And I kind of came away from it going, yeah, I get that. But I also just wanted my kids to know if it happened because let's face it the reality is someone in their social circle is going to go down that route Uh at some point Uh that they can come and tell me that it's okay we all mess up sometimes so no matter what it's okay to come and talk to me i didn't want them to have that absolute fear that oh god if i do this or if my friend does this i cannot possibly talk to my mom so I think it's just having that acceptance and that openness and that language with, with your kids that it's okay to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And there's nothing, and there never will be anything you can't bring home to me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Listen, Steph McSherry, who created Kinderama, a multi-activity program for kids running in creche online and in school for over 20 years, and Bethan O'Reardon, a mom of three and a psychotherapist working with families over 15 years together. They do the Mum Mind podcast. It's based here in Cork and available on all the usual platforms.
wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you both. I don't know if there's anything in there for the uh, person who emailed us. I, 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 there's a lot of wisdom in what they're saying. An awful lot. Kids need to be allowed to use their imagination and to play. They can't be controlled all the time. Stop organising everything, says Kate. Bring the child for a spin and a chat. Or if an older cousin can chat. My daughter was being bullied and I had no idea until she wouldn't go to a birthday party and then it all came out. When I went to the school, they were totally unaware. So the teacher might say that her son is fine, but go with your gut. Go with your gut. If you think something's up, if you think something's off, if you think something's changed, the chances are it probably has. And as Steph and Bethan say, time to play detective. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, it seems that uh, penny dinners are always, we know they're always looking for volunteers. Michael, you got involved. And were you surprised at how much fun you had? Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? I actually, I am. I, it's amazing how much fun you get have been involved. Um, I got involved around five or six years ago, right? And I've made long-lasting friends, and uh, it's just great crack and banter. Um, it keeps the wheel moving. It keeps us all busy. Um, it's just great. It's fantastic. What was the inspiration to to volunteer? Uh, originally, um, when I heard about the the Riverlee Hotel um, donating dinners for Christmas Day. Yes. And I have a, a car business um, and I had five cars at the time and five drivers. So I went in one day, I asked her who Katrina was, I knew her name, but I never actually met her. And I said, um, how do people come in here on Christmas Day with no public transport? And she says, we drive them. And I said, I tell you what, I said, I have five cars, I have five drivers, we'll drive everybody. And oh. that was six years ago, and I got more involved. Um, got involved in the committee, you know, handing out dinners, um, you know, with all the other, you know, volunteers. We're all volunteers. No one gets paid. Mm. And it's all about the crack and the banter. That's a huge commitment, though, on a Christmas morning to bring five people out to drive. Huge commitment. Well, you know, the, the, the guys who did it with me said it was the most... Um, they felt fantastic after doing it, seeing how people were helped and the smiles on their faces with the dignity and everything yeah. else and being dropped off for a sit-down meal. Yeah. Um, and then things changed with COVID, of course. We couldn't drive them in, so we were doing deliveries. So right. my my role on, we'd say, Christmas Day in isolation is the go-between with say, Katrina and her volunteers, the drivers, and you know, handing out stuff. It, it's it's and this year or the Christmas just gone was the best busiest ever. I actually went in earlier than normal. One one thing I've uh, often noticed yeah. anytime I visit the place, Michael, is laughter. And I guess you know, just because you're poor and miserable and don't have a home, you can still have a laugh. And there's some right, there's some great good cheer in there anytime you go in. Absolutely, one hundred percent. There's no judgment whether you're a millionaire or. A person who's looking for the service, everyone's treated exactly the same. There's great banter, great crack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything from younger people up to people in their 70s and 80s enjoy the crack. Um, and, you know, we'll say Christmas Day with the, the, 
the the Barrack Street Band and and the Santa Claus and all the other volunteers fun. coming in. Yeah. Great fun. Would it make you very Absolutely. angry though, Michael, about the state of the nation when you see the people coming in and out? Um, anger, t- thankfully, isn't something that I suffer from. It's more frustration in the sense that okay. I'm one person, I'm part of a huge organisation, Cork Benny Dinners. Uh, Katrina Toomey is just amazing. Mm. And, you know, when I, I do meet a politician or whatever and say, look, lads, you need to kind of grow up here, here, because it's a huge problem. Yeah. And it, it's only one, it's getting busier and, you know, it's, it's getting tougher on people, particularly those on low wages with, you know, the, the, the fuel hikes and everything else. And people come into Penny Dinners, we step in as best we can. And you do what you and, can. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a network there too. It's, it's like a, a Bush Telegraph. Anyone connected to Penny Dinners, then they can find out anything about someone. They help to search. They help. They gather around people when someone's feeling. It's a whole network. Volunteers, clients, everyone involved in it. Absolutely. So we'll say if Joe Public comes in and there's an issue with whatever, um, there's there's just a kind of. Um, a companionship uh, put together quickly. Um, we have expertise in, in different areas. Um, but because we're all volunteers and nobody gets paid and everybody knows that, we probably get a bump up the, the ladder compared to other charities and not knocking any other charity down. I know what you mean. Work. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, but we, everyone is the same. We're, none of us get paid. And the people that are using the service don't get charged, obviously. And some of them you know, offer to pay him and said, no, no, it's absolutely no problem. Some of them insist and then we, you know, give them a receipt or whatever on the day to say, look, there's yeah. no need. Um, but yeah, you're, you you're right. As a, as, a don- as a donation. If anybody did want to volunteer to do something at some level, do they just walk in and say, I want to volunteer? Well, you see, again, that's that's great. You can do that by all means. Um, but to take the pressure off the hub, I actually do, I filter all the emails for Cork Penny Dinner. So, if people use the email address, it'll be me they'll be um, directed to. Um, I'll give, they give me their details and then I pass it in to Katrina and her other team on the ground because they know what they need specifically on different days. What is that, what is that email so, Michael? It's, uh, it's, Cork, it's a mail at Cork Penny. It's on the website. Okay, on the website. I'm going to wrap it there for no reason other than time. Uh, thank you for your work with the great uh, Penny Dinners and the great Katrina Toomey. Michael, thank you. And if anybody else wants to get involved, go to the website. You'll find their email. Email them and Michael will read your mail and take it from there. Thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The Minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. Cards 96 FM. I just come across the maddest, maddest legal story I've read in a long time. I'll tell you about it in a minute, but there's a woman in Florida who's charged with murder and she's currently incarcerated charged with murder and she is pleading to be released through her lawyer 
for the craziest of reasons. I mean, I've never heard a reason like it. I'll give you that at some stage. It's it's the one you'll go into the weekend going, the world is mad. Not only does she want to do this, there's a lawyer actually challenging it. I'll tell you that before we're done. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We got so busy yesterday with Pascal Dunyhue and the response to him, and that's still coming in, by the way. We forgot to play a clip of the late Monty, John Matson, whose death was announced around this time yesterday, and there's been tribute after tribute after tribute since then to the man who was the voice of football. He retired from the BBC a few years ago, but he also he finished his career with our colleagues at TalkSport, where he spent some time. And a lot of tribute's been paid to him. I'll finish out today with the piece of commentary that made his name. He was given a match to cover as a trial, as a trial to see was he good enough for match of the day. And something happened at that match and he was no longer on trial at the end of it. It's a lovely piece of memory of a great, great commentator. I'll play that before we finish out today. Now... If you go down to McCurtain Street, there's a place there called Edit Hair Club. And you might occasionally hear the strains of a song like this wafting out the door. Patrick Murphy is the man behind Edit Hair Club on McCurtain Street. And and he was on the paper recently that they did a feature in the Echo about careers in Cork and people making a go of it and having big successful careers that to be fair they never expected Patrick never expected Edit to grow uh, quite so quickly but uh, but Patrick the, the obsession with Dolly the obsession with Dolly Parton is is there I think since you were since you were a little fella where did it come from morning to you I I don't know why really when I was a small kid basically I think I just caught eyes on Dolly Parton she used to have a show on a Sunday called the Dolly Parton show yes and as soon as I saw her, I, like, all I could see was these blonde wigs like, stacked up on top of themselves. And I suppose, I don't even know why, but I was just fascinated by her. She just looked so over the top. So as a kid, I suppose, I had kind of tacky taste anyway when I was a kid. So I just <laughs> thought this was amazing. It wasn't the music at all. Like, it wasn't Jolene. It wasn't no. 9 to 5. It was, no? No, it was nothing to do with that. Not when I was a kid. Now I think she's really cool now as a grown-up. But, like, when I was a kid, it was just the look of her. I just thought she was so cool. Everything about her looked so like, I suppose she was so sparkly. Yeah. Big hair is what you'd have called it. Really big hair. Do people wear that hair that big anymore, Patrick? No, not really. Back in the days, there was a bit of a surge in the back homing. Like back when kind of Cheryl Cole was on the X Factor, you know, everyone then wanted the bigger hair, the better. Yeah. But that's kind of gone now. It's well, it's phased out. Some people still like it, but it's not as popular. As like I'm thinking, you'd want to, you'd want so much hairspray, you'd need to have the fire brigade on speed dial. Yeah, literally, it's kind of a health hazard for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, talk to me about edit. I've seen it as I pass, and at the moment, it's not easy to see it with all those roadworks. Yeah. But, but how are things going for you? Good. It's actually flying in there. Yeah, they're doing big roadworks now on McCartan Street at the moment. But I'm kind of really excited for it to be done because I think the street's going to be stunning when it's finished. Like a bit they've done now so far, just the corner there by the Priory Coffee Shop. It looks beautiful and it just needs a bit of a revamp. 
It's interesting that to have a, a business person from the street because you had those rubber pavements, no better word yeah. for, for the last couple of years. Do you, do you think it is going to be really modern and European and sexy and all those things? Well, I don't know if it's going to be too extra. I mean, the footpaths definitely needed to be done because they were really shabby looking. Mm. And those the rubber ones were just awful looking. But this, I, I saw kind of these computer generated images of what it's going to look like. And even though the buildings are all going to be like traditional and as they are, the footpaths just look a lot more like nicer, to be honest. Yeah. It just look, makes it look wider. They're going to have little trees planted along the street and stuff. So I think it'll look really, really nice. You'd hope the traffic, when it eventually starts to move, will move. Because if you don't, all those trees will die. and You'll all die from fumes down there. Yeah, no, for sure. This The traffic is a nightmare, I swear to God. Even in the mornings there, it takes me about an hour and ten minutes to get in. It's painful. Hmm. So who's there in the salon with you and how busy are you? So there's 10 of us working in there. Amazing team. Very busy all the time. Kept going. Thank God. Um, yeah, I never expected to have 10 people working there. It's crazy to me. We also have a nails girl then and an eyebrows girl in there too. So that makes 12 of us all together. Busy, busy. Is it your first venture? It's my first ever business thing. Yeah, totally. Wow. It's my baby. Wow. So your first business and you've 12 people working with you. Did you think that a year or two ago? Absolutely not. Like I opened the business four years ago and I kind of had like only a small little thing in my head, like me and say three or four other people. Mm. Now the unit that I got then was big. It was actually a big spacious salon, but I just loved it. And I loved the location where it was. Um, But yeah, it just kind of grew arms and legs in because it took off. And luckily, I'm so, so fortunate. But then obviously COVID came in the middle and nearly had a heart attack because I was already, so I knew the hair, but in terms of business, I was literally faking it till you make it kind of thing. <laughs> and then I had that thrown at me. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? But that was scary. But look, luckily, we were able to weather the storm and yeah. work became out the other end. I think a lot of people learned as they went over that couple of years. I mean, you were closed down for, for the bones of half of it. Yeah, literally, it was unbelievable. I remember when they first closed us all down, I thought, firstly, I thought, dramatic. And secondly, I thought, like, this will be two weeks max. You know, we could <laughs> never have imagined what it turned into. Yeah, yeah. So all is good now again. Business doing well. Now we have a, a cost of living crisis and people are still spending the money on the hair, on the nails, on looking well. Yeah, I know. The thing is, like, with hair, it's... I know it mightn't seem essential to everyone, but it is essential. Mm. You crack up if your hair is not done. Like, your hair is everything. Well, now you're talking to a fellow who gets a one blade every fortnight, and even <laughs> even that is essential. If I go over the yeah. fortnight, I'm pulling at myself. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Like, you couldn't cope without a haircut. I'd be the same even if the sides of my hair get long. I just start feeling, like, bad about myself, you know? Mm. So it definitely gives you a lift when you get it done. And, like, for women, it's just a big thing. Like, you could throw on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and once your hair is done and blow dried and nice and coloured then you're kind of going to look good yeah does Dolly know that she inspired you because you can you can contact her like oh my god I never tried to contact her to tell her it's very funny but I was skating I saw the echo there earlier and I'm on the front cover of it next to Dolly Parton I was like this is actually surreal <laughs> it is kind of mad isn't it <laughs> It's so weird. I was skitting. Is she on Spotify playlist inside or would that, would that take it too far? No, she, she could pop up. We've made our own playlist in there of all our own songs. So it's kind of very mixed and Dolly Barton <laughs> could definitely show up on that. 
I think Patsy Klein is on it as well. Um, <laughs> Denser with the sweeping brush. <laughs> yeah, literally. Patrick, good luck, continued success with the business, and thanks for talking to me today. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. See you, fella. That's Patrick from Edit Down Below us here. On McCourton Street, there were strains of Dolly, Dolly Parton wafting out the door. I mentioned, or forgot to mention rather, Penny Dinners when I was talking to Michael about people wanting to volunteer for Penny Dinners. I got a message this morning to know what I advise the listeners that on the 28th April, now it's a bit away from here, but we'll mention it closer to time as well. On the 28th of April, it's a Friday at Douglas GA Club, there's a table quiz. In aid of Cork Penny Dinners, tables are for 40 euro. I was down there last <clears throat> weekend. Uh, their new bar in Douglas Gar Club is fabulous. Really, the old one, and they won't mind me saying it themselves, the old one was a bit grotty. It was a bit stick to the floor stuff. But the new bar at uh, Douglas Gar Club is just the business. It is. And they have a, an event down there, 28th of April, Friday, for Cork Penny Dinners. Happy to mention that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, this story from the United States. This yeah, strap yourself in for this one. Right, a pregnant woman who has been charged with murder and is in jail in Florida awaiting trial. She's now looking to get released. She's looking to get released on the grounds that her unborn baby is an innocent party. I kid you not, she's seven months gone. Her unborn baby is an innocent party and being held unlawfully. This is what a lawyer, William Morris, has been telling the press. The child, he said, didn't have a seat at the table when the decision was made to incarcerate its mother. The mother is Natalia Harrell. She faces a murder charge after she shot a woman in a row over an Uber in Miami last July. She was six weeks pregnant when she was arrested. Child has now been born. And her lawyer is filing for her release on the basis that her baby is being held unlawfully in prison. I don't know how it's going to work out, but that is the answer there, really. That is the answer to why the aliens have never invaded us. Like, They've looked down and they see a story like that and they go, lads, turn around and go home. I'm not drawing this lot on us. That's where the aliens have never invaded. They've seen what's going on here. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. XFM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel. You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make only on Cork's 96FM. John was on. This is just 
in before the weekend. We might come back to it Monday if you've had any similar experiences. John was on. He says, I was paying €545 last year for my car insurance. I've just been quoted 998 with the same company, Liberty. When I rang to know why, I was told I was in an area where driving can be dangerous. For pity's sake, I live in Inchigila. The government said premiums are to come down. Has anyone had that experience? John, my recommendation to you, my friend, would be if you have a clean licence and no points and a couple of years of no claims, get thee to a broker or get thee to an online site and switch. Simple as. And or else go back to Liberty and tell them that you're packing it in if you don't if they don't increase or reduce that premium because there's no good reason for that. But definitely go to a switch, go to a switch uh, site or a broker and they'll do better for you for sure. Might come back to that. Anyone before the end of the show? I don't know, but me definitely for Monday if you have any thoughts on it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I have got an attic full, one end of my attic. And yes, it's a well-insulated attic, so it doesn't get, uh, none of it gets damaged. I have practically a whole wall of vinyl. The only reason it's not down is I've nowhere to put it. Last Christmas, we went up to the attic, the Christmas before last, and we brought down a pile of my old vinyl albums, and we put them into a new TV room, media room, entertainment room that we were, we were putting together. I still have to buy myself a nice turntable and an amp and, and set it up, but I brought it down. And you know whatever so happens, someone comes over to the house and they'll be wandering around and I'll be showing them the new TV room because it used to be the kids' playroom. You know yourself. And they say, oh, look, records. And they start browsing and, and they start pulling out. Oh, my God, I haven't seen. There's an attraction for original vinyl records. Um, and they're back, and they're back with a vengeance. Despite the CD taking over, despite Minidisc taking over, despite streaming, and all of the sorts of platforms, the record, the actual vinyl record, is selling better than it has for many, many years. Ray O'Brien is at Music Zone. We've talked before, Ray, uh, when you went through tough times down there after a flood and stuff, but vinyl is on a resurgence. Good morning. Uh, hi. Uh, PJ, uh, yeah, certainly is. Um, probably researched you now since maybe a decade ago, ten years ago. Um, I put it down to, um, David Bowie released an album in 2013. The next day, it was around this. It could have been around his birthday, 13. But, um, we we got um, we got non-disclosure agreements to sign before it, before the vinyl release, which was certainly very interesting and. Novel in our game, but um, what, it was what, a that you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell anyone. You couldn't, was couldn't. Out. Yes, correct. Yeah, Crikey. yeah. So yeah, so we didn't know, we didn't know how many to buy really, and um, so we went for twenty, and they were sold out. It went all over Bowie's uh, social medias, I suppose, at the time or whatever, hmm. and um, we got twenty copies, and by Saturday afternoon, they were sold out. It came up on a Friday. Wow. And I kind of was woke up and smelled some coffee then and said, well, this thing is certainly starting to yeah. come back to Because you were kind of, I, mean, I know your shop, you were kind of yeah. promoting vinyl 
when the rest of the world was gone to Spotify and Apple and Amazon and and still on CD, you kept saying, yeah. oh, there's life in the old vinyl yet. You've been proved right. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, we, we, we started with only a handful of records and then it grew to a box of records and then it grew to one section. And now the shop is probably 70% vinyl and 30% CD. Yeah. Who's oh, buying it? Piece of who, who buys oh, vinyl? Do, oh, young, do young people oh, buy vinyl, Ray? Yeah, where we are now, Dean Rock, we've UCC doing exams next to us there. Um, and we've some young adults coming in. It's great to see it, like, and talk to them about music. Sure, they have a love of music as well. They just consumed it differently to what we traditionally would consume it, like. So, um, but they'd still have their interest in Gorillaz, Inhaler, all these are all new albums out today. And chatting to young, young folk about it is magic, you know? Yeah. It's got to the um, point now where a new album drops on every platform. But there's a certain yeah, amount I mean, of vinyl. All, they're all bringing out a, a, just a few copies yeah. just to see how it flies. Yeah, yeah, even all the local artists bring out their, their, their releases. John Spillane recently, John Black last Saturday was in the shop. All the guys bring it out in vinyl as well, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's become a, a, a real strong format like across the globe again, you know. It's just mighty from where we, where we are. Like The old argument te- was... Ray, the old argument was, because, yeah. you know, you and I are there since it was all vinyl. The old argument was that you might be able to put it on tape. Tape, God, remember tapes. Tapes yeah, would never yeah. be great. Two fingers and that. That's right. But CDs would replace vinyl. And then that the online would replace all of that. People used to argue you never quite matched the sound of vinyl. Is, is yeah, that just I, romanticism, or do you agree with it? Uh, uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. One hundred percent agree with it. Do you? Uh, 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 we've, we, yeah, we've we've a sound system here in the shop. You know, we're a good sound system, though. Yeah. But if you came in, okay, yeah, and we played something from a streaming platform through that system, which we can do, or we played a CD through that system, which we can do. No, there's personally very little difference for me between vinyl and CD. But you, there's a, there's a dullerness to this to the stream. There's a hundred percent you'll you'll hear it. If you're ever passing, come in and I'll I'll prove. No, it's it, it's funny like, because that, if you take a song that we would all remember, Blue Monday by New Order. I, yeah, how yeah. many of us as DJs? When I was a DJ, it was a song you'd put on yeah. to test the sound system. Yeah, yeah. And I've a, have, have it streaming, have it on CD. I've got it in every format. There's no yeah. sound. <laughs> like that on a big sound system. You won't do the yeah. same off a CD as you will off the vinyl on a big sound system. You can you can turn it up as much as you want, but it's just not there. There's an earthiness no. to it. Absolutely. Clarity is, the, is a big thing, I think, just the clarity of it, you know. Um, yeah, so like, we'd be big believers, but it must be a kind of half-decent sound system then. But look, that's not for everyone. A lot of people then are happy with... You know, their streams, it's, it's yeah. like you know, oh. going to a restaurant. Some people will like vegetarian, some people like That's fish, true. some people. So it's something for everyone. Oh, don't get me wrong. I stream I stream most of my music these days, Ray. Do you yeah. know, I have a massive I think, uh, Spotify playlist and loads of stuff on it. But I would, I can't wait to be yeah. able to put in a little sound system into that back room yeah. and start playing yeah. the old ones again, you know? Ah, uh, yeah, because the whole experience with it is magic anyway, PJ, you know, the, uh, just the, 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 the reading the sleeve notes, just the, the tactileness of the record, the, the, just to drop the magic of dropping the needle on the record, it's just yes. a wonderful the experience. The sound as it rolls in. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had a friend over in the house only a few weeks ago and wandered into that room 
um, just because we'd put the telly in and he hadn't seen it since it was converted and the vinyl and literally he was there pulling stuff out and reading it I haven't heard there's there's a thing about actual records there's they're just they're just special they they soundtrack your life as well PJ you know if you're a relationship breakdown generally people will turn to music in times of grief people turn to music and yeah, music is kind of a soundtrack to your life. You remember when you were 16 buying that Stone Roses album or whatever, you know? Um, and I, I think that's a, yeah. a, a great thing to have. You can play the entire album in order as the artist yeah. wanted you to listen to it, not jumping around from song to song. It's fine if that's the way you want to listen to it. Absolutely. But they, they like the artist would have sweated sweated on track listing with song titles like the artist puts everything into that piece of art really I suppose you know so like that's the way they would a lot of them would intend it to be listened to but obviously the world is different you know, people will do things as yeah. they as, as they see fit you know um, is it, is it pricey like yeah, yeah price is an issue with everything I heard you all about insurance thing there like but price is an issue with everything I think but yeah, in our game as well now, you're probably looking at an average price for a vinyl record of 30 euro. Mm-hmm. So, like, you go back three years ago before COVID, it was probably 22 or 23 euro. Right. So, like, that's a, that's what, like, it's a 40% jump nearly, like, in a couple of years. It's, yeah, it's pricey you enough. Know, so, it's yeah. pricey enough, yeah. But sure, look. People get huge enjoyment out of it. It's a lot of people, it's their thing, you know. So, and if you mind it, um, it'll last. Oh, yeah, and keep its value big time and soaring in value some items, you know. Yeah, there are some stuff. I, I probably have a few rarities in, in the attic, uh, yeah. you know. Um, but are yeah. there rarities? I mean, have, has anyone ever come into your Ray with an old record and said, Is that worth money? And you go, What? Hold on to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like they're rare, but they're 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 out there. Like plenty of them out there. Like we 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 we, we saw the second record off a selling site for five hundred euro there some years back. Like, do you know? Wow. It was um yeah. And there's guys in here have have guys that come into the shop to streets and they have record collections for thousands. You know? Yeah, yeah, thousands yeah. and thousands. But um, ah yeah, so. And I was chatting to Mucka, you, you know Mucka to me, I was oh, chatting I do, to Mucka yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Mucka's gone back gigging now doing the vinyl and, yeah, and Jim Comet. Jim, and he actually yeah. puts it up when he's gigging, he's like, I'm going to be playing records. Yeah, Ian Richards has always played records. That's right. I was at a party, always. I was at a party a couple of years ago, a 50th, for an old DJ friend and Ian was doing the gig and it was the funniest thing ever, his, his rig was the width of the bar. He had vinyl, he had CD, he had a computer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It took him longer to load in and load out than you too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the guys, Jim, Jim, like they all have thousands, 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 thousands of records, like yourself, Shreve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundreds of hundreds back in the day. Yeah, someone said to the wife one night, they said, wouldn't he sell him now and make you feel quid? And I just turned around and said, I'd sell a kidney first. <laughs> I would, I would. Actually, yeah. Mocha, Mocha has a, a pal of his, um, Kerry Chandler, the great Kerry Chandler, oh, coming yeah, to Cork yeah, again. Yeah. Now, there's a man that can work magic with vinyl. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. 
Yeah, not good. Not good. We'll have a lot of contacts, right? Patrick's night um, in Cypress Avenue. That'll be a big night. Super. That'll be a big night, and yeah. and yeah, loads of loads of loads of jocks, loads of jocks. Andy, Andy's yeah. and is doing doing big business as well with with vinyl and touring with it now. Listen, great to catch up with you, Ray. I must pop into Lovely. the Thanks. new shop sometime yeah, soon. Shop, I yeah. That's what, I, I drop a month's wages in the shop. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it could be possible. Yes, we won't say no to that either. All there's right, actually, there's eight record shops around Cork now, PJ. You know, so eight. Oh yeah, there's one down near eight, us here eight, in Curtin Street. Yeah. Bunker, yeah, then down uh, the Bunker, yeah, and plugged, and you've records and relics, and there's a couple of golden dish shops around, you know. So, yeah. um, I yeah, so like it's it's a nice little community, you know, plenty of places to buy records, like, yeah. Great there, thanks, thanks for the showcase there. Now, that's all, Ray. Like I said, Ray O'Brien, Music Zone, and musiczone.ie, his website. If you want to go back to collecting, collecting vinyl, I look, there's just isn't space for it. I'd love to bring it all down and put it up on the walls and get a big sound system, but I'd be divorced. There's a lot of stuff coming back at the moment, a lot of things coming back that um, people kind of thought might never come back. And at one point, as I said, should never come back. But there's something coming back that I'm so happy about. And that's Faulty Towers. We'll talk about that next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Even today, and it's many, many years since I first saw it, I hear this sound coming out of me telly. I'm planked down and I'm not leaving. The premise of it is just magnificent. I love it. I love it for a couple of reasons. One, because the Guardian don't. And then thing that pisses off the Guardian, I love that. The Guardian have said, no, it'll be a nightmare. It's a nauseating idea to bring back Faulty Towers and all that it was. Kirsten Murray is an artist and a blogger and a writer and Kirsten, you, like me, and you're much younger than me, you, like me, were a huge fan, and you're excited about it coming back. Morning. I was a huge fan of it when I was a kid. I would have watched it repeatedly all the time. When I heard it was coming back first, I was probably as reluctant as anybody else. Everyone is a little bit afraid to see, I don't know, like remakes of your old favourites. You think it will be terrible. Um, everyone is a little bit afraid. But then I kept seeing these articles talking about how terrible it was going to be and absolutely denouncing how terrible it was going to be and consistently talking about um, anti-cancel culture, anti-woke, this, that and the other. Um, And it just seemed so prevalent. It just seemed the only thing the people were talking about was how bad it was going to be. And I just Mm. thought, like, what if it isn't? What if he still can do really amazing comedy writing? Um, Yeah, man, that was basically my main thought on it. Like we're looking at, yes, he is a much older man now, but we're looking at one of Britain's true comedy geniuses having another go. There was only ever 12 episodes. It was a little treasure of its own. When I saw he was going to do it again, I said, John, can you do it again? Is it possible to do it again? Clearly he thinks it is. You're bang on. Apparently there were times he was asked to do it again and he even said he wouldn't do it again because it was so great and it was so perfect that... It shouldn't be touched. But whatever, we'll come back around to it. Maybe he thinks in some ways 
people are so sick of the way the world has changed that maybe that's going to make it more interesting in some ways. Look at the way the world has changed, Kirsten, and, and, and we're speaking here as two fans of it. You couldn't yeah. bring the original out now as a new product. You, you just couldn't. No, you couldn't. You absolutely couldn't. I suppose the xenophobia of the Manuel thing was, that would be one of the biggest issues of whatever. But I was even thinking about this, I was thinking, and now it's not a new show, but the character of Manuel, in a way he was like, he's a hapless character. It's not just about his nationality or the miscommunications. And in a way, it's a little bit like Father Dougal in Father Ted or, you know, Pinky and Pinky in the Brain. There are these hapless clown characters. Mm. So while you could never do Manuel again as like a Spanish person who doesn't quite understand and for a lot of the jokes to be about his nationality, you could definitely do like a hapless clown type character. That seems to be going through centuries of comedy really the major you couldn't really have the major such an old fart and saying the things that that the major used to say you couldn't do that absolutely oh no you'd have to i mean you'd even probably now you'd probably even want to beep some of those even if you were replaying it on a network or something like that you know (laughs) and even within the original faulty towers the major was a relic i mean he was supposed to be yeah you know even of a different age to that different age so that's right he he was past it then he was, yeah. That was a butt of the joke. And then even Basil being, you know, not really, I don't know, fit for polite society. Um, that was part of the joke as well. And now I think part of why people are, you know, up in arms about John Cleese is that they think he's not fit for current day polite society, which I think is kind of like funny in a way. It's like everyone's annoyed that John is going to write it again, but maybe John has just, like, become more Basil than Basil ever was. Maybe not, like, but... Um, or maybe he's just full of mischief and, and, and wants to have some fun at, at, at his time in life, which, which oh, he is... he definitely is. Which is no bad thing. I don't even really be on Twitter anymore these days, but he did an apology for it on Twitter in the That's last right. couple of days. That's I probably right. only read it via a newspaper article. He he actually did a comical apology for it because of all the negative emotion that it uh, it was provoking in people. I just think that's gaslight. Yeah, he said, I feel terrible. He no more feels terrible now than I do. <laughs> do you know? And he's got, I mean, he's pulled in that other genius. Who is a genius? Rob Reiner. Um, as well as his Absolutely. He, he plans to do something special here and at, at, at what 83 years of age if he wants to have another go at something then my view is let him at it and let's see what he can do. 100%. Um, I would, like, I, I mean, it could be terrible. It'll, you know, chances are strong that it may possibly be terrible. But I'd definitely give it a go for a few episodes. And I'd just love it if he pulls something out of the bag. I just, I mean, for him, for comedy, but also just to be, like, in your face. For a lot of people who are <laughs> no, yeah. just being so previous about it. It just seems so... Like people are discriminating against something that they haven't even seen yet. Like Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Just on the basis they don't like him. What? Why, why are you there? It's, and it's another discussion that's being had uh, at the moment. Um, the, the, the rewriting of parts of Roald Dahl's old books, it's, it's along similar lines to the whole Faulty Towers thing. Like, Roald Dahl's probably written some of the greatest children's work of all time. He wasn't a nice man off stage, as it were. But do you think it's right that he people wasn't. are rewriting his work? I got interested in this specifically to do with uh, the writer Philip Pullman coming out and saying he thought that they should let the books go out of print rather than rewrite them. Yeah. I find that interesting because as a writer, 
I think it should be all about context. It should be all about, I mean, I, I think as a child reader, I read a lot of Enid Blyton. Even then it was problematic. We were reading the books and we were being told this bit really doesn't got fly anymore. That's what I think. That's what I personally believe should happen is that the people should have access to the text mm. with context, with conversation. If people find some of it problematic, have a conversation to know. Maybe if there's the occasional really offensive word in certain places. But um, I know in France and in the Netherlands, um, they're not going to touch it. They, yeah. There's been big conversations had about how any changing of the language and watering down of the language will alter the story too much, that the story needs the power and the punch of the original text. Now you're an artist yourself. Uh, would you share the belief that art is of its time? Mm, yes and no. Um, art is of its time, as in it will re- reflect its own time and it's always telling the story and a viewpoint and a perspective of its time. But all art is also about the history of art. All art is speaking to art that happened before. And even if art is portraying something that will no longer fly in the current day, it's always incredibly interesting to look at that art and to have conversations about it. I would have take massive issue with people deciding that they weren't going to regard Picasso's work as something you'd go to look at in an exhibition anymore because of his personal life, because he was, you know, considered to be misogynist and so forth. So I can see situations where art might not be particularly worthy because the subject of it is all about giving glory to something that is maybe too horrendous or horrible, but not to do with lifestyle of the artist. There is the thing like that you take Picasso. Yes, uh, he he was not a nice man, but his work. Can you separate the man from the work? I personally believe that it's essential. I don't like I mean, I am biased because I'm an artist, a visual artist myself, but I think I think I was about 15 when this thing came up for me first. I think I saw the movie Tom and Vib with T.S. Eliot, and I'd always yeah. loved T.S. Eliot's poetry. And then I saw, you know, basically what a wretch he was to his wife. And it was this moment of, oh, the man who writes the amazing things is not an amazing man. But then I'm like, wait, stand back two seconds. The work stands on its own merit, the quality of the work, and it will always have something to give. It's like he was a horrible person, but his job was not to be a wonderful person. Do you know, maybe if he'd been a politician or a priest or something like that, his being a horrible person would mean that his work was worthless. But when that is not his primary purpose or that is not the aim of his work, hmm. I don't know. It's it's beside it's just beside for me. It is beside the point very literally. Can I ask you lastly about the name of your Facebook page? Corsed Hen. Ah. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it confuses so many people. I've actually had people private message me going, are you okay? You're not cursed. Don't feel as though you are cursed in life, this kind of thing. And I just have to say, just say it out loud. Just say it out loud. Cursed hen. Cursed. cursed in. In. Ah, listen. Cursed. In. <laughs> there you are. And I was expecting some cranky old crone and, and it's the total opposite. <laughs> yeah, you could be right. Like... <laughs> I like I'll identify as that like that's cool <laughs> yeah actually I want to if you're free on the 11th of March there's a launch of my exhibition in Cove Jimmy Crowley will be playing music as well as a couple of other brilliant artists Eve Telford and Jim Malloy and it will be called Cats of Cove and other stories in the library space in Cove so it's on for the month of March if you're around, if you're free, it'll be on the day of the 11th of March. Anyway, it's all up on my Facebook page. All right, the Cursed Hen Facebook page. I've, I've really enjoyed this chat, Kirsten. Take care and good luck at the exhibition. Thanks very much. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 
Yeah, the great. Kirsten Murray. Kirst Hen. Those two are cursed. Look her up on Facebook. She's She writes and she's funny and you'll see some of the stuff from her art. I think I will go along to that in March. Uh, could be a, a bit of fun. Just on, yes, a couple of things came through before we finished. The domiciliary care allowance. I had forgotten what the story was with it. Um, is it means tested? And two people, first of all, Antoinette got on to me to say, no, it isn't <coughs> means tested, which is good. Someone else then, domiciliary uh, care allowance isn't mean tested but they make you jump through hoops to get it they make you jump through hoops to get everything these days but that was a bit of advice that came in for was it Amanda was our last caller yesterday she's got a massive energy bill she has a child that needs special food and callers were saying that if she went on the DCA the domiciliary care got that for the child then at least the child would have a medical card and to take that much of ex- expense out of her, out of their lives, which would be very good and very useful. And that's lots of stuff we can come back to after the weekend. There's so, I have so many different things I never got to. Before I go, he finished out his broadcasting career with our colleagues at Talksport. But 1972 was the day that the great John Motson arrived on scene. 1972, February 1972. It was a third round replay in the FA Cup. This is an old piece of commentary now from way back. Hereford played Newcastle. Hereford were fellas on £100 a week and the people at Newcastle, the lads in Newcastle, were on big money. Um, And in 1972, John Motson was a junior commentator with the BBC. He was just getting into the gig. And he was sent out to do this replay as an audition to see was he up to it? To see could they put him on match of the day? And Hereford knocked out Newcastle that day. And this was how Motty described it. And what a moment for John Matson because they were listening back in the production room at the BBC and they said, yeah, he's good enough for match of the day. And the rest is history. He passed away this week at the age of 77, the voice of football, the great John Matson, who finished his career with our colleagues on TalkSport, who provide the commentary for Premier League Live here at Cork's 96 FM at the weekends. That is its programme, edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have a nice weekend. Be careful out there. We'll talk to you Monday, just after nine. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.